everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with uh, Mark Andreessen and Rob Henderson, and we are to talk about uh, the Deadwood movie. Um, in addition to the entire series of Deadwood and sort of the real life Deadwood and what we think about all of it, uh, let's start with because um, by this by the time this comes out, people will have heard uh, three three and a half four hours of me and uh, Rob talking about uh, the Deadwood series, um, but not not Mark. So Mark. Give us your uh, general view of sort of Deadwood, and then did you 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 recently saw the movie, right? And so, what did yeah. you think about that? Yeah, I watched the movie last night. I had I, I watched the entire series when it aired, and then I, I've been holding the movie for a special occasion. And of course, what what what, what better special occasion um, <laughs> than, uh, than than this discussion? So, um, I mean, yeah. So, look, I, it, Deadwood's been my favorite, like you know, basically work of American fiction of the last you know, basically since it came out. Um, you know, and I, I, I completely seriously refer to it as sort of the closest that we're going to get to Shakespeare. Um, hmm. I actually had the chance, by the way, I spent an afternoon with David Milch, uh, several years back. And you know, let me just say the experience was every bit, uh, he, he fully in person lives up to the, uh, lives up to uh, what you see in the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a huge fan. You know, it, I mean, look, it may be obvious. I'm sure you guys have talked about it. It's, it's, it, it is the story of the American frontier. Um, it is the story of America. Uh, I mean, for me, it's like, it's like way more the story of America than, than, than the Godfather or anything like that. Um, it's, um, you know, this extraordinary rendition. Um, I'll just highlight a couple of things I really like about it. Um, so, uh, one is, you know, it shows, I mean, it, you know, it's hard for any of us, I think to conceptualize this, but at least more than anything else I've seen, like it shows the mud, right? Like it shows the physical degradation, um, of what it must've been like. And they, they recreated it for the movie. I was happy to see as everybody's like clomping around in this just disgusting mud all the time. And of course, everybody's like dressed completely to the nines, like every step, you know, to this, to the, to the, to, to, to the extent that anybody can possibly muster any dignity, uh, in the form of their dress and manners, you know, they do that because everything otherwise is just like mud and shit, pigs, <laughs> just disgusting mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so they really show like the level of just like physical effort, uh, that went into that, you know, they obviously show the, show the danger, um, you know, they, they, obviously the, the story is the, you know, the, the, the story of the show is the sort of carving out of civilization, um, uh, from, um, you know, from basically, uh, you know, wildness. Um, and, uh, you know, that's great. Um, you know, I, I've always been very fond of the Hearst character. Um, uh, I, you know, I was when, when the show first ran, um, I, I, I'll, I don't know whether this is controversial for you guys. I think Hearst obviously is the hero of the show. Um, <laughs> right. Like he, he, he's obviously the good guy. He's obviously completely correct. Um, in everything he says, um, the movie really makes that clear. Um, and, um, you know, it's great to see, you know, he, he, he maybe is not exactly like he was in real life, but it, it's great to see that kind of, that kind of will to power fully expressed uh, on screen, even if they, even if, uh, you know, Mills probably felt the need to dirty him up a little bit. Yeah, when Richard and I talked last time, Richard gave a, a you know, a, a sort of semi-defense of, of Hearst that he... That he he represented the future of of technology of capitalism of advancement and that the only reason we felt any sympathy Richard do you want to uh, we we said that the only reason we felt any sympathy for Al and, and Deadwood is because we had this well, like parochial conservative views and we have this outsider coming in and trying to take it over and use, throwing his money around and yeah it was it was um, yeah I mean objectively what was you know Deadwood it was uh, basically a town that revolved around two pimps the two, the and two, their prostitutes two monogamous pimps two monogam <laughs> well arguably monogamous yeah pimps. Um, I, you know, if David, if I could talk to David Mills, that'd be the one thing I ask him, whether there was any relevance of that or whether it was just a time thing, you know, they could only hang out with one, uh, 
woman at a time. Um, but yeah, you have these monogamous pimps who are running in the town and it's just, you know, there's no families there. You know, they, when they open up the school, there's like five kids. Um, you know, they're all, you know, shooting each other and lying and stealing from each other and, you know, trying to, you know, make a, make a living. But I mean, it's not a, it's not, it's not a, a by any objective measure, something that is, you know, it's cool. I mean, it's cool. It's fun to watch. We'll watch a, uh, a show about it. Um, you know, 140 years later. Um, but you know, like whether it's good for civilization or not, you know, probably not. And so Hearst is the guy who's going to come and he's going to make this into something, um, you know, he's going to make us into something, uh, important, you know, something like real civilization. Um, and, um, Hearst is, you know, and we, I, I don't know, maybe Mark, uh, sympathizes with Hearst. I sympathize with Swearingen and Bullock in the city. Like I think, you know, most people, most people do. Although rationally, I know like if I was a policymaker or something, I'd probably, you know, listen to Hearst more than Swearingen if I, if I wanted to, you know, to sort of maximize the value of the land or just, you know, maximize the greater good or whatever. But the idea of the show is, you know, it's, I, we, what we talked about, we said, this is like mid, this is like late 1990s, mid 2000s liberalism when it came out. If you watch the Cars movie, you know, I once said on Twitter, the Cars movie, every Cars movie is like normie liberalism of the time. So the early 2000s car movie, you guys both seen the Cars movies? <laughs> I've not seen any of it. This like is like the Pixar. So this is a genre you, shift happening in real time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, 2000s car movie the first car cars one is like what is like there's a there's one like a left behind town like a rust belt town of cars and you know they're getting left behind by like big business or whatever this is what this is deadwood right it's the aggl- agglomation of capital right uh so it's like 2013 or 2014 um uh uh uh, cars movie is about global warming. It's like somebody invents a new thing to like, you know, uh, uh, not use gasoline anymore. And, you know, there's a big evil business. And then like 2019, I don't know, I'm getting the years, maybe a few, few years off, but the third cars movie is just basically like, uh, uh, female, they start to introduce female cars and one of them becomes like one of the stars of the movie. So it's just like, okay, uh, small town, like anti-capital, big anti-capitalism, uh, to global warming, uh, to feminism. And I don't know if they're going to do a black cars, you know, matter or something in the future but they've, they've never done they've never done that um and so this is what i think deadwood deadwood was in like the cars uh one era um <laughs> these are and, these are the categories in your mind when you watch a movie. It's like, this is a cars two movie the cars you know movie. you're watching you're, you're watching some movie from 2003 so what, what cars movie we're out there? okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, and so this is what this is what this is and obviously you're not supposed to like hearse now i agree with mark because mark is a you know capitalist and i'm a capitalist and we, we like we like civilization and advancement but i don't think you're i don't think you're supposed to i think you're supposed to hate hearst i think you're supposed to think oh. he's you know the representative of everything wrong in the world world and you know it gives him his due a little bit like it gives him these monologues where he sort of lays down the truth for you but i, I don't think you're supposed i don't think you're supposed to like him but of course you're not supposed but i mean it's hollywood like of course you're not supposed to like him like david milch is is, is an old school liberal um and you know of course you're not supposed to like him he, he does this thing maybe at the little uh it's, it's maybe maybe his shows a little bit more christopher christopher lash than it is kind of you know normally liberal just in the sense of like it does valorize these kind of traditional values you know, this kind of tr- this traditional sense of law and order, this traditional sense of family, this traditional sense of community. Um, but look, I mean, I, the reason I mean, the reason I'm obviously right is because sitting here today, we live in Hearst's world, not in Bullock and Swearingen's world. And by the way, we're very happy that we do. Of course, we take it totally for granted, but we do. 
you know, if, if we could trade and live in, you know, uh, a bullet conspiracy's world, you know, none of us would do that. You know, that would be awful. Um, and so, you know, it is, it is, it does, this is part of the, part of the epic, right? This is part of the epic, you know, the story of the old West and the, the best, the best Westerners kind of always show this, which is like, it's a vanishing life, right? Because it's being overrun by civilization. Uh, it's being, you know, it's, it's chaos being overrun by order. Um, it, you know, it, it gets painted in a romantic light and the forces of order, you know, end up looking, looking, looking evil as usual. But, like, nevertheless, like, you know, that, that, that happened. It's good for us that that happened. It's, it's, you know, that, that, that in fact is progress. Um, I've been reading, I just happen to be, I'm reading a lot of Nick Land, uh, who suddenly become, you know, super relevant because of all the uh, AI uh, kind of stuff that's happening in the industry right now. So trying to spin up on, uh, on kind of all the people who thought about this. Um, and, you know, Hearst is like the, you know, a monster straight out of Nick Land, right? He's like the, the engine of techno-capitalism, um, right? And it's like, yeah, he's the engine of techno-capitalism. Like, he's the guy who's going to bring you, you know, he brings he brings you the telephone, and then he's going to bring you running water, and then he's going to bring you central heating, and he's going to bring you antibiotics, and he's going to bring you, you know, telecommuting, and he's going to bring you, right, like all of the things. He's going to bring you, you know, <laughs> podcasting, right? He's going to he's gonna bring you, you know, all the things that, that, modern, that make modern life worthwhile. So, uh, yeah, obviously the hero. Yeah, we see this the technological advancement. So in the series, we saw the uh, the telegraph come in, and uh, and Richard and I, you talked about you and I talked about this about uh, you know Swearingen making some unkind remarks about you know this new technology coming in and how you know have you ever received you know good news from a telegram something like that. And then in the movie, we see the the, the telephones being installed, and you see uh, E B struggling to to use the telephone and and shouting into the receiver and. I, I mean, one thing that I thought was interesting about the movie is that the movie, I mean, it was basically the, the, the series finale redone in a more sort of audience pleasing way. But in, in, in the series finale, it was, I mean, basically the, the like Swearingen, I thought was, was the, the primary protagonist of the series and Bullock was maybe like a secondary sort of supporting protagonist character. Whereas in the movie, it was, uh, it was Bullock who seemed to be the protagonist more so than Swearingen. Swearingen had aged quite a bit. He was ill. I think at the end, did he, did he, I mean, we're giving away the spoilers, I guess, but he died, right? He died at the end. Uh, was my he, understanding. No, I thought, yeah. I thought he, he, uh, he uh, told God to, um, to F off. He was like, um, yeah. like, you know, he's like our father who art in heaven. He's like, let him stay there. So I think the idea yeah. was, you know, he's going to stick around for a few more years. Is that okay? I kind of got the opposite impression. It was like, he's, he's like, he's like, this is the fading sun for, for Swearingen where he's sort of on his way out. Maybe he didn't necessarily die on screen, but he was clearly unwell. Um, but so so Swearingen failed to stop Hearst in the in the series finale, right? And at the end of season three, Hearst rides off in his carriage, and yeah, we we, we agreed that that was kind of a satisfying ending for the series. That of course, like Hearst is going to get away with this, like you know, he cuts off yes. Swearingen's finger, gets away with it. But then in the movie, he doesn't, and I found that yeah. interesting. Sure Bullock was the sure hero. He does. Of that. Sure, he does. Well, Hearst totally gets away with it. He's going to get run out of jail. Like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was a, it was more sort of uh, you know. What like the the ending wasn't like him riding off in a carriage, right? He was he was physically uh, beaten oh. and and imprisoned at the end, and that's the last I we see of him. I know, but I just interpreted that, I interpreted that as like the last gasp. I mean, that was like Bullock. That was like Bullock's death. Like that's the last thing he could do to Hearst. Hearst gets yeah. sworn the next day. Hearst wins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, okay. It, yeah. It, it was the, the last twinkle of the romantic West. Was Bullock able to put Hearst in prison? Like that. that after at the, the day after that, that 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 world was over. Yeah. But, but Bullock also is a gentleman, right? He he could have let him kill. He could have let them kill him, yeah. right? Yeah. He, he yeah. stops them. So it's the chivalry of the old West and the rough yeah. justice, but not not too rough of justice because he doesn't let them. He doesn't let them kill him. He still so Bullock is also a harbinger. I mean, he's also a bringer of civilization. 
right? Bullock yeah, yeah. in the series. Um, Spurgeon would have let her die in that moment, right? Uh, he's a bringer. He's a bringer of traditionalism. Which, this is my last reference. He's a bringer of traditionalism. He's not a bringer of modern modernity, right? That that like that's the difference. That, that's the point I'm making. Like Bullock's view of order is the old view of order. Um, to your point on chivalry, uh, Hearst's view of order is the new view of order, right? Which is what's created our world, and and like clearly that 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 be one. And 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 by the way, you know, sitting here today. In, in Hearst's view of, of modernity, like Hearst do not go to jail. And, you know, we're sitting here today with plenty of people in public life um, who demonstrate that, you know, every single day. <laughs> so so then in this case, would, would Swearingen be, uh, so would he represent like a, what, like sort of ordered chaos or just, just sort of outside of the, the confines of, yeah, okay, so like big man, big man kind of, so that is like, you know, really like old school traditional <laughs> societies, like, like pre-agricultural pre revolution societies. Yeah. 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 Bullock's connection with Soul Star um, mm-hmm. is interesting, right? Because that's also sort of a step in civilization that, you know, the Jews come in and they, you know, they do banking and they do business stuff. And then this guy, you know, has laws. And then Hearst is the uh, agglomeration of capital, right? And Swearingen is old, old style um, uh, big man society. So, yeah, you have these, you have these three things, right? And they're sort of stages stages in civilization and each one sort of heralds the other right swearingen uh gets bullock to be the sheriff um mm-hmm. bullock you know saves Hearst's life and probably there is no there's a, there isn't probably isn't enough order for Hearst to come in and do all the things he does uh if there isn't some kind of law enforcement um so yeah you do have this sort of progress of civilization here right and yeah and they, they do this somewhat reluctantly i think right like swearingen Swearingen initially, like there was a rivalry between Bullock and Swearingen in season one. They didn't like each other. That was, you know, the sort of the, the, the one of the key conflicts of season one is this, um, is, yeah, is the sort of conflict set up between Swearingen and Bullock. And then eventually Swearingen and Bullock become allies. They come around. And then, yeah, the, in the, in the end of the movie, after Hearst uh, has, you know, been in conflict with the other two, with Bullock and with Swearingen, Bullock reluctantly saves him. So yeah, this is this is like, it's it's not an easy process. It's like this sort of like a Hegelian dialectical, like the conflict, the thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Like it's not an easy process. This evolution, but yeah, I, I can see that. That's an interesting interpretation. Well, so I think that Bullock, you know, the, just the, the look on Bullock's face when he was, you know, at least you know considering letting Hearst get killed by the mob, right? It, it, I I don't think it was. I I mean, the, sim- the the simple way of looking at that was, you know, sort of order, order versus chaos in the moment. You know, mob justice versus versus you know the force the force of rule. The other way of looking at it is the Bullock knew full well that if he arrested her threw him in jail, it wouldn't stick. Uh, it wouldn't last. Um, you know, a, a rural whatever sheriff marshal whatever is not going to lock up a U.S. senator, and it's it's not going to stick. And so he, he he had a moment. He had a moment. He knew the only actual true justice left was actually uh, justice by mob, and he still couldn't stomach it. But he, well, but he knew he wasn't. He, he knew he wasn't going to get actual justice. One thing that that uh, the series and the movie did in both cases in which a character is about to do something that they may later regret or something, you know, commit some kind of transgression. So, so in the series, remember the fight between Swearingen and Bullock, uh, Swearingen is about to pull out his knife, right? Like he said, he didn't have a knife. He ended up of course having a knife and he was about to kill Bullock. And then he sees uh, Bullock's wife and child. Uh, and, and then he decides not to kill him. And then in the scene where the mob is beating Hearst, uh, Bullock looks up and sees again his own wife and his child, and decides to to save Hearst from from the mob. 
is there any significance there that in both cases, you know, they're sort of being, um, there's, they're, they're being exposed or revealed somehow to a woman and to children. And this sort of, uh, activates like uh, some, some sort of higher conscious you know, conscience within them. Is, is did Bullock see, uh, the wife and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mar- Martha was sort of, she, she had the children and she was sort of scurrying away with them as the mob was, was beating her. Bullock see them. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was, okay. I think yeah, so. and it's kind of ambiguous whether that was the reason, but uh, you know that was that was a uh, you know they, that scene I think was in there for a reason. I think that there maybe you know Milch maybe had something in mind with with both of those scenes with uh, with you know these these two sort of you know men who yeah who are being sort of uh, uh, gazed upon by this by this woman, same woman too in both cases, which I found interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah the sort of civilizing effect. Well, but you find this in the series yeah. and too when like the women are introducing the school, right? Um, mm. And it's uh, even Calamity Jane gets involved in that, and uh, Jody and um, you know Bullock, Bullock's wife Martha, right? All the women are basically going. You know, this wouldn't have been. Uh, you know, this was a very. This was also two thousand liberal thing. I mean, the women would have had to become cowboys or something if this was uh, this was modern liberalism. But no, they, well, Calamity and, and Jane they kind of saved. She saved Bullock, right? Calamity Jane at the end. Yeah, yeah. I was, she yeah, does yeah. do some things, right? You're right, but still, yeah. she's like also uh, healthcare too. The women do a lot of uh, healthcare stuff. They, you know, they want to. They go to Jody's place where they want to recover. Like, you know, why she, she doesn't have any healthcare expertise? It's just you know, division of labor. Women are doing healthcare stuff and they're doing education uh, stuff. Um, yeah, and and like everyone sort of has a soft spot for the school, like it's considered sort of like a good thing, like in the in the uh, in the entire town. And so, like, yeah, there's like this idea of like women and children sort of uh, softened civilization, right? Yeah, but it was an felt, honest. I've always yeah. felt the problem with these frontier communities is that they didn't read enough Andrea Dworkin. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I I thought that uh, the yeah it was it was a really yeah I thought it was honest it was a, a honest like like the the Jane character was interesting to me because she's one of the first characters you see in the entire series and she's swearing and she's like boisterous and confident and loud and then uh, the first time she sees swearing she's terrified right like like she's trying to protect uh, the the girl the 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 young uh, Norwegian girl uh, and then she sees swearing and she's just frozen. Uh, and then later she's crying and disappointed in herself. And, and this happens multiple times where you see her afraid to confront a man, even though she's like the, the manliest woman in the show. And then, um, yeah, I guess like her sort of character arc was, you know, at the end of the movie, she she saves Bullock uh, from being killed. And I thought that was like, you know, that was like a sort of a reasonable um, thing yeah. for her to do, right? Like she, she didn't get like, from behind. Physical. It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't she like, yeah. she like and they connected out. it with the, the Wild Bill Hickok scene where she was worried that the same thing was going to happen to Bullock that happened to Wild Bill. And yeah, it wasn't like a physical altercation. She didn't like beat him up or like take on a guy in a, in a physical yeah. combat, right? Yeah, yeah. She shot him in the they, back they, of the head. They spared us that. Um, although, although the, <laughs> uh, the yeah, I, I thought that they, they really played up this lesbian uh, a relationship like they basically became open lesbians like in the movie um and, you know charlie utter like go get your girl like I, you know i doubt like people talked like that like they thought like the homosexuality was okay back then um they have like Joni sort of taking on the pimp role uh, you know but this was all fake by the way the Joni character is not real um there's no lesbian really calamity jane as far as i, I i've been able to find there's no you know evidence if she was a lesbian or or whatever uh so this was completely you know this was completely made up they did this as a sort of they decided well this is what we need in 2018 um and the other i think big theme of the movie at the movie though is how they sort of neutered 
uh, swear engine. And this is another, you know, reflection of going from 2008 to 2018. Uh, he, you know, he becomes literally impotent, right? He, the new girl comes in and he can't, you know, he can't get, uh, he can't get ready for her to, to, uh, to give him oral sex. Um, and then he like sort of cuddles with her and starts talking about his feelings towards Trixie. And I just thought that was, I thought that was unrealistic. I thought that was unnecessary. I thought it was sort of representative of like the decade between when the show ended and when the movie uh, was made. And I I think this was like the main theme of the movie because it's like swear engine is the, you know, is the biggest character. And he's just like, you know, we enjoy all he's doing is being sick and impotent and expressing his feelings in the movie. That's it. He doesn't have any kind of sort of arc besides that. He doesn't really, you know, do anything. The story is really about Trixie and and Saul and Hearst and Bullock. And yeah, I I thought that it was a very, you know, sort of deliberate, you know, conscious uh, move to sort of make that sort of Swergen's fate. Well, it's an elegy. I mean, it's an elegy. I mean, and also, like, it's an el- it's an el- it's an elegy for the show, right? Because it's you know, it's that's the last thing they're going to get to make. It's an elegy for you know the the frontier. It's also you know, sadly, you know, David Milch's elegy, right? It's the last thing I think that he'll make. Um, and so you know, there's a there, there's a lot of that. You know, he's, he's he's tying up a lot of loose ends, kind of all, I think all at the same time. Um, let me though, you know, use this also to even more strongly advocate for the show, which is one of the things I really loved about the show is the characters were at each other's throats basically continuously. Um, even when they like clearly had to work together and even when they did successfully work together, they still hated each other. Um, they still feared each other. Right. And, and they were, they were like on the knife's edge, like throughout all three seasons of the show of like, just like collapsing into, you know, internal warfare. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I, I thought that was great. I thought that was great. Cause I, you know, that I, I thought it's like, yeah, yeah. Who, what's the kind of person who would be on the frontier doing the kinds of things those guys are doing. <laughs> Right. It would be extremely disagreeable. Right. People, um, you know, with these just incredible independent streaks, probably with, you know, serious, let's say, personality flaws that make them unsuited for living in, you know, what was at the time Eastern, you know, Eastern civilization. Um, and so it, 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 you know, it shows the tension of that kind of thing. And by the way, I'll just tell you, like in my world, like you see startups like that, you know, you see you see startups like that with these teams that are very high performing and, you know, that you would think that they'd all be having a great time and all be going out to dinner and having fun. And like they're at each other's throats most of the time. Hmm. And then, by the way, sometimes it falls apart. Sometimes they destroy the thing because they just can't resist fighting. And sometimes they kind of hang on long enough to make the thing work. And so it's it's kind of part and parcel of that kind of person. Even within, like, even among loyal allies, right? Like EB, he, I mean, there's no, like, overt betrayal. But EB, like, rips Al off here and there. Like, Al, Al predicts it, too. Like, swear to you, you know, like, whatever he sends EB off to collect money or something. Like, he he's, like, sometimes he has to say, like, look, I know, I know normally you're stealing from me. But this time I need you to be, like, I need you to actually, like, make this delivery and, like, be sincere. And then there was another scene where, where Swearingen knew EB was ripping him off. And he said something along the lines, you know, this offhand remark about, like, I wouldn't respect him if he didn't try. You know, like he expects EB to do these kinds of things, to be a, a bit of a scoundrel. And this was just ordinary behavior, even among, uh, you know, he was like a loyal, uh, a loyal ally to Al, a loyal assistant. But that's not everyone on the frontier, right? Bullock and Star have a uh, mm-hmm. good relationship, have like a normal relationship where they don't, they're uh, straightforward and honest with each other. Ellsworth is like, you know, a saint. Um, so Ellsworth, yeah. Char- Charlie okay. Utter, you know, is Charlie just Utter, naive yeah. and like a simple, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy. Uh, so but they don't have any power, color. though. Right? Well, I guess Bullock, Bullock, and Star, arguably, but the most powerful characters, they are sort of cutthroat, and and even Bullock, Bullock has a, um, I mean, he's he's an honorable person, but he clearly, I mean, he has a hair trigger temper, and he's willing to sort of uh, become excessive in use of violent force against you know uh, criminals, and like when he beats the guy who attempts to to lynch um, Samuel. 
right? Like that was sort of his temper coming back to him and getting the better of him. So I guess that's I not quite the same. You start triggering Al, 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 Al can't talk him out of, they, they, they alluded to this in the, in the movie, Al cannot talk him out of the most direct path. Right. Mm. Like, the, you know, they kind of do that in the movie where they maybe they finally maybe Al finally does. But like through the show, like Al can't, you know, this guy is constantly about to like blow things from Al's perspective. Yeah. This, this, this guy's big headed, non-strategic. Uh, he can't think three moves ahead. He just does the thing that's directly in front of him. And like, you know, left, left, left unchecked, you know, disaster will follow. Yeah. And so that, like, that, even though they're ally, allies, uh, you know, after the first season, Bullock and Bullock and Swearinger, they become allies. Even those two, they, you know, it's like at any minute, you wouldn't necessarily be surprised if if uh, if a dispute between them led to them becoming enemies again, right? So, for sure, yeah. The other political, you know, the sort of the political side of the times, I think, was the um, uh, what's the black guy's name? Samuel is his name. Samuel yeah. Chase. Fields? Samuel, Samuel, yeah. Samuel Fields, I think that's right. Yeah, Samuel yeah. Uh, Samuel Fields. He, uh, uh, when they, you know, they 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 think he's the murderer because of their racial profiling, and then when Bullock goes to like arrest him, if you, did you guys catch us? He's like, I'm gonna get my fishing pole. I'm putting my heads here because I'm gonna get my fishing pole. Oh, Please yeah, don't yeah. shoot me. And this is obviously, you know, hands up, don't. Sh- like, why did he need to get his fishing pole? The- I don't know why he needed his fishing pole at the moment, but the <laughs> fact was they were, you know, showing us that. Don't want to leave it behind, happened. man. Yeah, Michael, yeah, it was Michael Brown. He could have it was the long history of American racism of his cops just shooting black men when they when they don't see their heads. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah, yeah, that was I yeah, but but it, this was um yeah, Bullock saved him again, right? Like Bullock saved him once from being tarred and feathered. Yeah. Bullock saves him again. Um, yeah, yeah, that was I mean, that yeah, that was a bit of a stretch. I thought like the whole sort of plot with with samuel and bullock having to save him and then like breaking it breaking okay, him free and and, how the high because if this was 2008 if this was 2020 i mean it would have been much more extreme version of this and it's like funny how you can sort true. of how the hive mind works right it's like these people all think they're making original art but you could really see with a like five-year windows they're all like sticking to like the same two or three themes i, I just think that's very fascinating Yeah, if you didn't know what, what year this movie was made you'd be able to like roughly his hands yeah, yeah. then the lesbian thing and then the two thousand the, the show too i could have you could have predicted that too yeah it's very easy mm-hmm. and they all have liberal themes in their own way right it's not like they're there's apolitical here that there's political here it's just they're always political but there's you know the the, the uh emphasis sort of shifts over time yeah, I predicted that there would be at least one gay male character before the the the, the story concluded, and I was wrong. So no, it was, you know, lang- it was languish. It was lang- languish or whatever his name is. is this- oh, languish. Was he really yeah. though? I, I mean, we didn't really see no, any. No, he was. He was uh, we talked about the. Uh, remember, he's bad. We, uh, we had this yeah. exact same conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, I we, said, yeah, yeah. We, we don't. I don't know. I'm still not. I'm not 100 percent convinced. I don't know. Richard is slurring theater kids again. Yeah, that's just because he's yeah because he's in the theater troupe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. No, Swearingen says I'm thinking about becoming queer myself. Like obviously that because they that know could each have other. been, but that could have been a joke, or that, that could have been an yeah, insult. It's funny because he is. Well, okay, maybe he's. Uh, yeah, maybe he's like he's making fun of him for. Uh, yeah, was, for being like, in the theater. Yeah. Well, didn't yeah. didn't he have a wife or a girlfriend? Well, I, I didn't even. I couldn't even follow along with those scenes where he was talking to those women in the troop. I don't know if one of them was one of his partners. Or his <laughs> wife or something. I, I just, I just that part of the. I don't know. I, yeah. We didn't have anything like like Joni and and Calamity Jade, right? Like you know, no 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 like graphic overt. Like this is clearly no, well, something. Well, the other thing we said in our conversation was that if, if this was uh, 
late 2020s, you know, yeah. late 2010s Gatiss, they wouldn't have been theater guys. He just would have been a normal, like you were expecting Cochran or like Barrick to be yeah, a yeah. homosexual. Or like Bullock to be a repressed homosexual. Yes. Exactly. That's why he's so uptight and angry because he has this to battle like, this, you know, this conflict this like within him. eye for the straight guy era. Like, you know, like Ellen, like every gay person is just like, yeah, like clearly all gay. genetic. It's so distinguishable. And like, you know, it's like a, it's like a racial type or something, right? Well, today yeah. it's like everyone is sort of, you know, gay and you never know who it might Although be. Although I did, the last time we spoke, I thought that A.W. Merrick was going to be the gay one, you know, because I still well, was predicting. Hits on, hits on yeah. him, like pretty explicitly hits on him. I mean, this is yeah. another thing. He's like, you know, I, you know but, like, I like you. And he's like, come with me. And, you know, Merrick sort of yeah. gets, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, gets nervous and just doesn't seem to like it. But, but yeah, I, I, well, I found out that the actor who plays Merrick uh, is a registered sex offender. So, you know, it's like it would have it would have been fitting. Right. Like, uh, you know, it would have been, you know, because it, it was like it was like a 17 year old boy who he was like sending lewd photos to or something. So that was a fortune, I, a I think I was, I was picking up on the vibes, you know, <laughs> No, the 17-year-old, well, I just looked at the Wikipedia article. It was 17 when the accusation was made, but the boy says he was 14. Uh, ah, right. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so okay. Like, <laughs> well, still, you know, Gadar was, you know. It was, wor- it was working. The, yeah, the, so I, um, yeah, I mean, and the way this was done, like, the way the series ended, like, usually in, like, most shows or most movies or whatever, it's, like, at the end, um, you know, like there's some major, and I don't know if I like this or I dislike this. I think I like it more than I dislike it. It's like you look at the big characters, like one of them has to like die or like uh, go to like a completely new job or have like a complete transformation or like, uh, you know, you know, uh, just be in a different place at the end of the series in the beginning. If you look at like the beginning of Deadwood to the end of the movie, um, uh, Swearingen is the owner of the gem at the start of it. He's the owner of the gem at the start of it. I thought there might be some progression. He might become like mayor or something, like or something like that. Mm. But no, there was nothing like that. Um, Bullock becomes uh, a marshal, right? He goes from well, he actually Bullock yeah. had a kind of a chance because he wasn't. He didn't even want to be in law enforcement, right? He was a sheriff in Montana or something. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if he was the sheriff, but uh, or maybe deputy. And then he goes to Deadwood and and resists becoming the sheriff, and then reluctantly takes up the mantle and. Then yeah, by by the time of the movie, he's the marshal. So there's a bit of a progression yeah. there. Well, there is, but the movie but he's is so still funny. like the same yeah. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So the movie, there's no change. With, I mean, there's ten years past, but there's no change within the movie for Bullock, and there's no change for Hearst, and there's no change for Swearingen, right? Nobody dies, nobody moves on to anything else. Um, and so, like the most important people who die in the entire series are like Ellsworth and you know Bill Hickok and Charlie Otter, but, right? Not right. not like the not like the top. Maybe maybe Hickok was in the first few uh, episodes, but you know, not really the top tier. Nobody nobody dies, and you know it's interesting. But the change, but the change, but, uh, I mean, but the change is techno capitalism wins. The, yeah. the, the, the the change is the frontier ends. Like this is it. This is the end of the line, right? The telephone's here. Like this is it. They're done. So the substitute is the society is what's is the protagonist yeah. here, not yeah, yeah. the. Not the big, not the characters, yeah, yeah. And, and it's finished. It's finished. We just saw the last. We just saw the last scene of society. Hearst wins everything from here on out. Um, it's all over, and now it's a tourist trap. And you know they have good, bur- you know, good. I don't know buffalo burgers at the corner, whatever yeah. you know, place with well, all the well, well, mementos well, on the wall. Did right? Civilization did civilization actually win in in the real Deadwood? How many? How big is the town of Deadwood today? It's a tur- it's a it's a tourist it's a tourist town. Yeah, there's nothing going on there. I, I looked like it up. They I do like, well, to- they'll do. 
you can go there. They'll do like Wild Bill Hickok, like you know, they'll do like you know, they'll do recreations of like the Wild Bill Hickok show. They'll do like <laughs> our shooting expeditions. You know, sure do they? Is the Gem and the Bella Union? Or, I mean, are those things still open? Yeah, well, they're you know they're they're either open or they've been rebuilt eight times, and they tell you it's still the real thing, right? Like right. it's 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 a, it's a tourist trap. Of course, it's a tourist trap. Like it's a it's a it's a it's a vanished age. Right? Has it been a tourist trap since before the HBO show? Has it always been, or, or is it since that show aired that it became a uh, an attract you know a tourist attraction? I think so. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the logical. I mean, there's nothing else. in the modern world that's all there is for it right like yeah yeah there's no chinatown there i was there but there was i was shocked i was you know because so so my my girlfriend is is uh you know part part partly chinese by ancestry she was telling about it she's like why is that why would there be a chinatown in south dakota this make any sense we looked it up there was one there was one uh yeah there was like up to 400 uh, chinese immigrants at one point uh i don't know railroads and whatever but yeah, that was uh, yeah. One thing I did so so Wu didn't learn any more English after ten years. I'm well, like, he, learned, well, he, he had a few words. He had a few. Yeah, he words, learned like yeah. six words in ten years. Yeah, like, <laughs> a That's the other thing. The you know, yeah. the, I think like season two ends with him cutting off his ponytail, like like Wu America. America. Yeah, and he learned six words in ten years. Like he didn't really assimilate, did you? Like so, yeah. So look at the population <laughs> of Deadwood over time. In 1880, it was 3,700. In 2020, it's 1,100. So it's a, it's a less than a third as big, and it hasn't actually picked up since it's uh, 2000. Right? It's 2000 was about 1,300. Uh, so it's actually declined uh, since the show came out. So it's it's really hmm. like it doesn't seem like anything really won. It seems like the American West, and maybe this is like not like talked to in the show, but. A lot of the American West sort of was a uh, missed opportunity. You know, you look at the extent to which the American West is federal lands. If you look at those maps, like how much is federal lands and how much is like given to the Indians and how much is like, you know, not available for development. Uh, Civilization almost like pretty much, you know, Milch, I don't think is making this point, but civilization didn't win to nearly the extent it could have um, in the West. Um, you know, you still have the, you still have South Dakota, North Dakota, you know, Wyoming, Montana, these places, you know, they could, they could be booming. They could be big cities. They could draw in, you know, immigrants and, uh, you know, people getting cheap land and having a lot of babies. And that, that's just not what we did. We, we, we took another sort of path, um, well, I'm on the I'm on the Deadwood website, uh, uh, the the Deadwood City website. Uh, historic Deadwood, entertaining guests since, since 1876. So the the form of entertainment has changed, but they got that part right. Yeah. Um, historic recreations, sports betting now available. Okay. Uh, cool. Big big news. Um, unique shops. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, ATVs. Um, uh, St. Patrick's Day celebration coming up. Um, and then um, lots of uh, waffle fries uh, in the right. food section. Is that so, prostitution yes. legal in uh, uh, in South Dakota in Deadwood? Prostitution, I believe, is not. But I will tell you, casinos sure are, and apparently okay. Deadwood has its turn. So, all right, good. Well, I uh, I read somewhere that David Milch was uh, was big into gambling. So, you know, yeah, he's, he's a, uh, is a uh, sport is a um, uh, horses guy. Um, oh right, and, uh, he, he made like a, millions. Uh, yeah. There was yes. an abortive. Uh, he made. I don't know if you guys. Know, he made an abortive horse racing show uh, called, I think, Luck with uh, Dustin oh, Hoffman's yeah. first, uh, remember, first year, yeah. which is actually pretty pretty fun. But um, yeah, they, uh, the the show got euthanized after they had to euthanize. I think three horses. Uh, could could not. Oh, another yeah. another sign. Another sign of civilization winning is you can't make horse racing shows anymore because the horses might get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the website too. It has a you know it has a history. Oh man, I wish I found this before. It has a you know E.B. Farnham. It has a uh, uh, like you can look at it. They can talk. They give you a little few paragraphs on each one of these people. 
uh, Poker Alice Tubbs. So there was another woman who was Poker Alice Tubbs is a tomographer for fighting this lady. Okay. Well, this is fascinating. Um, the, uh, um, so yeah, I did a lot of reading on the sort of the, his- the history of this thing. Um, I, uh, I, there was a book I found on, uh, uh Amazon called Deadwood, uh, Alan Swearingen, Deadwood's Alan Swearingen. Uh, so I read, I pretty much went through that book before this. And then, um, there was one, I found one biography of George Hearst that I could get on Kindle. So I got that too. Um, and so it was interesting to read, you know, to read about sort of the history of, you know, that sort of, you know, tells you, uh, I think something about sort of what's going on in the mind of David Milch when, when he made this, uh, the, first of all, Hearst, I mean, everything I see about Hearst is he was a nice man who was a, you know, a, a philanthropist, never any evidence that he killed anyone. You know, he was like, he, there's never, I couldn't find any evidence he ever met Al Swearingen or he had anything to do with Seth Bullock or any of these people. So it's completely made up. It's like he went there, you know, for his mining reasons, but it's like a capitalist like once was in the city. So that was all you needed to like make him the villain and say, okay, he, like, he represents like everything. Like, okay, you step foot of that town. Yes. You were going to take your name, George Hurst, and we're going to make you into this, into this super villain. Uh, so I, I just thought that this is like, this is what people are going to remember George Hurst for. And it's like a very sad thing. Yeah, they, they didn't even change his name, right? They used his fir- no, like real first name, first, yeah. <laughs> didn't even fictionalize it or dramatize. Okay, but of course, this is of course number one in the tradition of Citizen Kane, right? Which did you know much the same thing to W. R. Hurst, um, and then yeah. of course this is this, this is also of course what they did to all the so-called robber barons, right? So I, I, I was telling uh, Richard, uh, you know, now we need to talk about Leland Stanford because they did the same thing to him. Yeah, tell us about uh, tell us about the yeah. crypt at Stanford. Uh, uh, Stanford. Yeah, so I go visit. It's it's an amazing thing. So the 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 Stanford family crypt uh, is still at Stanford University. Um, I didn't even know it. I stumbled on it when I was taking a long walk one day during during uh, COVID, um, and I, I literally stumbled on it. And they they keep the, there's the family crypt. Uh, there's a statue, um, and it's 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 like it's like legitimately heartbreaking. Like it's so the the story of Stanford University is like one of these stories. So Stanford University, if you look at the name, legal, you know the the full name is Leland Stanford Junior University, mm-hmm. um, and you're like, okay, that's interesting, Junior. And then it's like the actual robber baron, quote unquote, right? The actual guy, Leland Stanford, was not Junior; he was Senior, um, and he's you know one of the guys who built the the you know the National Railroad System. Um, <laughs> bringing civilization to the, to the land, um, and uh, he and his wife, who by all accounts had you know had a very close relationship, uh, you know their their whole lives, um, had a single child who was a son uh, who made it to age sixteen and got sick and died. Um, hmm. And so they and there's literally a quote. There's a quote on the statue which basically is you know they where they basically agree that the the children of California will become their children right um, by 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 creating this university. Uh, and I mean, look, you know, we sit here today, you know, Stanford now is whatever, a hundred and some years old. And I mean, like, you know, you know, I mean, for whatever issues it's going through today, it's like over the last hundred years, like, wow. Right. Like it, 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 it like, it, like, it, you know, it's, it's contributions to our civilization are like, you know, extraordinary. Um, and so, um, and so there's this statue and the statue, the statue will break your heart. Cause it's, it's the two, it's Leland Stanford and his wife and the 16 year old son. And it's one of these things where they're, you know, they're looking to the future, right. They're just as happy as can be looking to the future. And it's, you know, it's his son, the age that his son, you know, actually died in real life. Um, and so here again, it's the same, you know, to, to Richard's point, it's the same, it's, it's the same thing. You have this guy who literally like helped, you know, played a major role in carving civilization, uh, out of the wild. Um, and then, you know, it did this incredible philanthropic, you know, kind of thing, by the way, his wife continued to actually oversee and run Stanford, um, you know, years after, after Leela's death. Um, uh, there's some story where she may have been poisoned to death, uh, by her enemies. Um, uh, which is, uh, there's some book that came out on this that goes through it that I haven't read yet. So there's, there's additional drama that, that even follows his death. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, it, it you know, it worked. The railroad worked. Stanford University worked. Um, you know, he had plenty of critics in his age. You know, he has, you know, plenty of critics today. None of them have done anything remotely similar to what he was able to do on, on two fronts. What are the crit- critiques of him? Is it is it just that he was a, a robber baron capitalist? Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, the Ida, it's the full, Ida, you know, it's the full Ida Tarbell. He's, he's one of the group. He's one of the, he's one of the core robber barons. He's one of the, you know, kind of core sad. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of the same, you know, it's, you know, how dare you, it, I mean, there's all the old critiques, which is, you know, how dare, you know, cat, cat, you know, the, all the old traditionalist capitalist critiques. Um, and then of course, you know, in today, today's morality that, you know, you, you would layer on top all of the, you know, uh, yeah, all, yeah, of yeah. The, all of the modern, uh, uh, stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, look, he was, I, I don't know his history in detail, but like he was doing business in the 1800s. Like, I mean, let's just assume for the moment, you know, maybe, you know, like I, maybe he might've occasionally bribed a politician. I don't know, like would not yeah. be the like strangest thing that ever happened. Mm. So, you know, it's one of these things where it's like, okay, like, you know, it, it's, you know, can you, can you pick apart every single thing he did the way the muckrakers at the time tried to do it? I mean, yeah, you can, if you want to, um, can you evaluate him and the whole sweep of civilization as somebody who like really helped carry us forward? Like no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look at the, yeah, you look at us GDP growth during the era of the robber barons. I mean, it, it was, it was high. I mean, you were getting, you know, some years, eight, 10, 10% growth. Um, Yes, well, they were fielding. I mean, this is the you know J.P. Morgan era. J.P. Morgan. I mean, this was the you know I mean, well, the economic history, right? Is basically what was happening during that period was uh, you know capital had accumulated in Europe as a consequence of the European Industrial Revolution, and then they they were starting to stall out. And then the American when the American frontier opened, there just huge amounts of of uh, European capital uh, you know flooded into the U.S. J, and J.P. Morgan was the, one of the you know nodes of that in New York, and then his father Junius Morgan. Right was in London, and basically the family business was to get the capital from the old world to the new world, and and you know railroads and that electrification were kind of the two big six, uh, and and you know look they deployed the capital and it worked right like and, and you know these systems you know to this day like you know the, you know these railroads are still running, um, and so like it you know it's one of the great all time achievements in terms of actually creating you know our, our entire world. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Stanford and. Um Stanford and uh, Hearst were senators, yeah, at the same time. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're all living in uh, California. They were contemporaries? Yeah, they Stanford were. They were, they were oh, the interesting. California and, uh, wow. Uh, okay. Hearst, Hearst's life. Um, and, uh, you know, there's another guy named Huntington. There's something out here right outside Los Angeles called the Huntington Gardens. And there's Huntington. There's a big Huntington Road. Huntington, and so there's yeah. a, a guy named Huntington, too. And, yeah, they, he's got, and he's got a uh, sort of just like a, this big, you know, land in the San Gabriel Valley um, that's a botanical garden and like a museum and, and all this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, these, these guys built civilization. And they're, uh, you know, and they're. I mean, is there, I mean, I don't know this, uh, you know, I don't know this period, you know, well enough. Is there any argument that they were, is this just basically anti-capitalist, normal animus that's always there? Or is there any argument that they were like, you know, stealing other people's property and doing stuff like oh, that? Yeah. I mean, look, these guys, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't know specifically individually, but like, look, I mean, they, they had it in the, in the movie. It's like, you know, they bring in the telephone. There's like one guy who's like preventing the telephone from being completed. Right. I mean, you know, this, you know, this, you know, therefore the, you know, eminent domain. You know, this, you know, this is what eminent domain exists for. So the Charlie Utters, the real life Ch- Charlie Utters can literally not hold back the progress of civilization. Um, you know, one has to imagine, I mean, it's just like Rockefeller, you know, to, to build these empires in that era, one has to imagine that, you know, various, you know, they, they, ha- they, they did various things along the way that, you know, judged individually, you know, you would, you would very much frown on. You know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was the, but, they built, but they built Charlie the railroads. Charlie, right? 
Charlie Utter is, I mean, is a is a is a parasite in that situation. I mean, uh, who cares about Charlie Utter and his stupid? You know, he likes to fish in the creek and you know you you know hang out with his black friend. Like that's like not the point. Like you know, Harris is giving him like a good price for it. And was 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 it always like you know were these guys just playing within the rules of like a system that wasn't rigged towards them? It was like rigged towards. It wasn't rigged towards. I mean, it was it was it, pr- it protected. It wasn't rigged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was well, protected. That- the strong, and, the most legitimate kind of attack would be that you know they had money on their side, and then they had you know they would they would deploy violence, right? And again, I'm not I'm not going to malign any individual person because I don't know the details, but like the Pinkertons, you know, they do this in the show. They bring in the Pinkertons. But are, know, are, like, those, are, are those real? Are, well, what are the Pinkertons supposed to be? Are, is that a oh, real? Oh, the thing? Pinkertons. So the Pinkertons is a major. It's a major quote unquote private detective agency that actually still exists. Um, and it's kind of for a very long time, it was kind of the go-to basically, uh, agency that you would call up, like when you had like, you know, union disputes, like, you know, you, you, you were trying to break strikes. Uh, so uh, le- legend has, legend has that the Pinkertons were, uh, uh, who, uh, Thomas Edison would hire, um, to, uh, so, <laughs> so Thomas Edison invents the movie camera and like all this technology. And then basically to film the movie during the Edison era, you had to get, you had to license Edison's patents. Um, and then you had all of these basically entrepreneurs who sprung up originally on the East Coast in New York and New Jersey who were, you know, making movies. Um, and they didn't, they, they had no intention of paying for the patents. Um, and so, uh, the, the legend goes Edison would hire the Pinkertons or people like them and then they would come in and, you know, break legs and bust up the, you know, yeah. destroy the cameras. But what is the, the union? The union is the mafia. But the union, yeah, I mean, the union is mafia. basically stopping people from working i mean what, what like if you if you hate unions if you if you hate unions and you think they're evil like is there any like like we, is there any uh anything they were doing that actually i would disapprove of that, that's what i'm asking like the union well they thing, were violating you know, i mean at it, least in theory i mean they were violating they were violating at, at the time medicines um uh or, sorry were they doing it yeah they were vi- they were violent so unions well, the, 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 no, the, no, the Pinkerton, patents, maybe, the, the Pinkertons are the good guys in the in the, in the edison because edison had you know a patent oh, yeah. right he had the legal, right, right exactly right right Okay. But and they, anyway, this is this is one of the reasons why Hollywood actually ended up on the West Coast. There's two reasons Hollywood ended up on the West Coast because all the entrepreneurs were East Coast guys. Uh-huh. Uh, there's two reasons why Hollywood ended up on the West Coast. One is the weather; um, they could shoot around, they could shoot around, uh, uh, around year, round, year but yeah. the other was literally to get three thousand miles away uh, from Edison and his leg breakers. Huh. Um, all right. Okay. So now there <laughs> are there are some you know there are some people who think that uh, IP law you know needs reform. So I, I, I'm not sure. I don't feel as strongly about that as I do. Uh, as I do about um, yeah labor unions. So so then did did Alma prevent Hearst from from basically like like implementing his strategy of the, she, the telephone poles? So, so yeah, she wanted to do, she was doing something herself. She was digging up the. It was it wasn't like the. Um, I think the difference was this was just uh, like utter was just about the location. While I don't know if it was like a scale thing with Alma, I don't think it was like that much more valuable if Hearst had that. Uh, uh, bit of land, you know, yeah, a bit of land. Yeah, I think so. Alma could use it productively, yeah. while Utter couldn't do anything. You know, just him himself with that piece of land. So it's better that that Alma has it then. So she, Alma, did, I, I didn't realize that she had a plan. Right, like I couldn't tell if she had a plan to to purchase that land or if that was just no, merely but, to to cock block no, her. She had a she had a business, right? She uh, they, she was she had miners, didn't she? Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter because obviously she lost. Like obviously, it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter at all the history that she bought the land. Like the, the yeah, the, the, in the, the end, yeah. like, it, it doesn't matter at all. Like she's fit, there's she she and everybody else other than her is just fitting into the tsunami that's coming. Um, and, you know, that's to me that was the poignancy to it. Like that. That's like the it's like the, it's the last thing that she could do to hold back the tide of progress. 
There was that point. There was a, one of my favorite scenes in the original show was this the telegraph scene that you guys talked about. And the, the other little little twist in that scene that I just love is, Dan, you know, the loyal underling Dan, you know, offers. He's like, you know, just give the word out. I'll chop down all the telegraph, you know, towers. Right. And, you know, the Swearingen is like fully aware that that will accomplish exactly nothing. Right. It's like uh, or like Bullock uh, burning the, you know, the telephone poles this time. Like it's like, yeah, that that will accomplish nothing. That will hold nothing back. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, no, that's that's funny. Techno uh, capitalism wins, and we're all better off for it. That's my that's my that's my story, I, and I'm sticking. Yes, to it. it could be. I mean, even though Hearst was an evil capitalist, Richard, you and I talked about how he 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 is still like a relatively genteel and forward thinking in terms of race, right? Like he's very polite to the yeah, black characters in the show. Two thousands liberals don't care about that. That's not the biggest thing to them, right? The, 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 well, I think by 2018, you know, like they. I, although I guess like Hearst's character, he he had already been established. By now, that now point, he's framing the black attitudes. guy. Hearst became, now Hearst. Now you have to do that concordance. The yeah, evil capitalist has to also true. be racist, right? So yeah, before yeah, he was like the most to, tolerant. Now yeah, he's trying yeah. to fe- yeah, framing Samuel for this, right? Okay, so I mean, that does add to his villainy. Samuel, but I mean, he did, but it was in his intro. I mean, he didn't purposely set out. That it's so convenient. It's one black guy in town who just happens to witness the murder, right? Like that's yeah. You know, yeah of what, what are the odds? Yes. <laughs> And therefore, the other well, the other just amazing thing was they don't just like everybody else just gets shot. Um, but of course, you know this guy they have to like you know try to string up in the middle of the day, right? Yeah, yeah, they couldn't just shoot him. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's that's like, isn't that what they did to black people back then? I mean, didn't they have a, a sort of a, a cultural method of? I'm sure, I'm sure, well, probably not got shot too, right? Like probably, yeah. they, you know, yeah. like and white people got lynched too, and white, white, I think white people got targeted feathered. Yeah, there like, wasn't just a lot. Not a so you have to t- kill somebody. It's not a good tactical move in their part too. I uh, go for the go for the uh, go for the go for the. They should have just uh, bullet to the back of the head. Yeah. Assault. Yeah. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so, so the things that were real in the um, uh, in the show. So Swearingen was a real person. Bullock was a real person. Saul Star was a real person. Calamity Jane was real. Now Calamity Jane, from what I could tell, apparently like her, she was just like a, a braggart who might have never really done anything in life and like you know pretended to be much bigger than she was was she an alcoholic was she uh, really like a drunk i don't know if she was alcoholic. she was a braggart i don't know i i assume she probably was an alcoholic and then and bill hickok um did come into town together um they were they did sort of know each other uh Hmm. hickok got shot the day after bullock arrived in town so bullock and hickok probably never never they weren't friends yeah uh they, they weren't yeah they weren't like super friends yeah going out and solving uh crimes alma garrett is a completely fictitious character uh, Joni is uh, fictitious. Uh, Cy Tolliver is fictitious. Although there was a Bella Union, um, it was run by a guy named Tom Miller who performed in blackface sometime. But this is also what I learned that the, the there was a lot of blackface in the Gem and the um, and Bella Union. That was a bit, you know, there was also like uh, comedians who would pretend to be Jewish or Italian or, or whatever. <laughs> I think they wanted to make fun of. Okay. Um, they, they didn't show. They didn't show any of that. The Gem also. Um, uh, the Gem also. Uh, uh, had like a lot of like skaters, like roller blading was like a big thing, and like you know, sort of like gymnastics and like these like, sort of like uh, like these attractions. So we didn't see any of that. It was just all prostitution and drink, um, a little gambling, you know, yeah, there's some gambling and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there like a, there was a talent show or something? I think in season three, they had some yeah, kind that, of a talent. Was, you know, the, the, uh, was it um, Richardson was juggling? The yeah, the troop yeah. set that up. Yeah, not uh, not uh, yeah. the gem. And yeah, I mean, the other thing that was fake was I couldn't find any evidence that like Swearingen was like a political mover, mover and shaker. Like I couldn't find any, so that this, uh, from what I could tell, this connection between like 
the business of the gem and like running sort of the politics of the town. Uh, that seems appears to be uh, fictitious. Uh, uh, Silas uh, Adams was a real person. Him and Swearingen would like show off and like shoot guns together. Uh, Dan Doherty used to work at the gem and then worked at the Bella Union with Tom Miller. He was he was uh, working there for a while. Interestingly enough, uh, he's seen as uh, uh, the flunky of um, of uh, uh, Swearingen in the in the film. Um, Bullock. Uh, oh, Bullock's. Uh, he never had a brother, as far as we know. Um, the nephew, the, the William, who you know died in that heartbreaking way. Never, there's no record of that. Him and Martha apparently was Martha was his wife. Um, it was supposed to be a love match. It was like they were in love. This was so this story was completely mm-hmm. made up. Um, and they did have three, and they did have um, you know three kids or whatever. And that's and that's what they showed uh, in the movie. You know, they they gave like a, a full a full family. Um, Above replacement was, rate fertility. Yeah, they gave him the fertility. Oh, Swearingen, by the way, uh, was married multiple times. Um, <laughs> and, he would always, and he would always beat the women and they'd run away. And this was like sort of known <laughs> in the town and he'd end up in court. Um, so yeah, Swearingen was, yeah, was, was an abuser. It was uh, an abuser of women. There was a, there was a, um, uh, okay, this is interesting. Swearingen got um, sued by this one uh, guy over something. He was always getting sued. Um, and like he would lose control over the gem and like run it from behind the scenes and then come back. Like he did this, this was so weird work for like 10, 15 years. Um, and then there was this one guy who like sued him and then he was given like a, uh, a suite, like in the gem. And then he went to like some other saloon and there was a prostitute there named tricks, not Trixie tricks who he assaulted while drunk. And then she shot him. Um, and then the guy, uh, survived. Um, and then like, you know, like, uh, and then like felt bad about it because he like had gone after, uh, tricks. Um, and then, uh, um, this became a thing where like, oh, you know what? A, he was a sweet guy. And, you know, the woman, everyone was sympathetic towards her. Uh, and so, yeah, you can see it's like bits and pieces of like different names and different people and they're bringing it together. And just, it, it's, it's fiction. Yeah, a lot Completely of creative not, license. Yeah. Of, yeah. To say the, to say the least, uh, a lot of creative license. I mean, but Swearingen so, was never in, in the show. He had, he like, you know, he had no wife. Right. And, uh, mm. and Tolliver was on, was Hearst in the show. He didn't have a wife. Did he? No, he, did, or, no, he, he wrote he a did. letter or something to his wife. Yeah. Oh, he and did. He a, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, because you know we we yeah, the, the Deadwood itself is like we've talked about. It's just not a, a like a camp or settlement for for families, and so Bullock seems to be like the only real family. Although although he actually in the movie uh, Soul Star, right? Soul Star and Trixie have a child. She has this uh, you know this funny line about how, how like it's a miracle that a whore of my vintage could yeah, give yeah. birth. Yeah, yeah. Just this like and then I started to do the mental math. Of, like how old is she supposed to be then? You know, like, is she 10 years on? So, I mean, how old was she in the in the series? She must have been in her, what, late 20s, early 30s? So, she 40? Yeah. She would have been getting up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 40, especially 40 in, in, in the late 19th century. 40, you know, could, could women really get pregnant at that age back then? I don't know. Saul, right. Saul was really, like, he, he aged badly, man. He looked, he looked rough. The, uh... So- so another another thing on the fictionalization. So I, I also found something a little pointy about this. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if they talked about this in the series or not. But um, you know, so like the mythology of Wild Bill Hickok was already in effect when he was still alive, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, like he had become actually a character in the popular consciousness. And there were um, what Wikipedia refers to as contemporary with maker, myth makers, 
Um, and so there were, you know, there were stories, you know, sagas, there were, you know, stage shows at the time there were, you know, dime, you know, whatever dime novels or whatever the, the version was at the time. Like there, there, he was, he was a cultural figure, like when he was still alive and, and they actually do a little bit of this in the show because when he shows up, everybody knows who he is, right? Like his, his, his kind of legend precedes him and he's trying to like play it down. Um, and so, um, you know, they're, 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 you know, consistent with the, the sort of theme of like, the, you know, the sort of end of an era emergence of modernity, like the, the, the whole thing was already being fictionalized and mythologized, right. In, in reality, it was being mythologized while it was basically in its last phases. Um, and so anyway, I, you know, Milch, Milch, you could say is carrying on the great American tradition, uh, of mythologizing something, mythologizing something that had already mythologized itself. Hmm. You know, yeah. And the, well, okay. The other interesting thing, I mean, this is uh, of the about the um, the, the real life uh, swear engine is that there was uh, so he w- there was a big expose in like I think it was called the Black Hills, like uh, the Black Hills Times or something, or Pioneer or something. Um, uh, it wasn't the Deadwood Pioneer; it was the Black Hills newspaper. And like he had um, brought girls uh, to uh, Deadwood under false pretenses, like they were working in Chicago or elsewhere. And he was saying, "You're going to work in like this nice hotel and just like uh, you know hang out here, and you know you're going to have a nice job." And they would come, and then he'd say, "Okay, you owe me for the boots and your shoes, and um, you know you can't, you you basically can't leave." Um, it doesn't it doesn't really portray this in the um, in the movie. I mean, or the show or the movie, I, I think that's sort of that's sort of uh, going too far for a guy to like enslave women to like ki- kidnap them and like make them prostitutes, you know, sort of against their will. So the movie does, you know, the, the series and the movie do flinch, I think, a little bit about how ugly uh, the reality really was. And there was this one case where like this like white knight sort of, uh, uh, you know, like the community knows this. The community has like this, uh, the gem has this reputation. And so like, you know, originally the papers are like, you know, oh, look at all the fun and games that are going on in the gem. And then they do this big expose and they're like, you know, the marshal like goes over there and like, it's like any women, you know, want to leave, come with me. And then like a few are taken out and then they're like interviewed by the paper. So a few women like do get out. And so like the gem like gets this like terrible reputation um, in the area. Uh, there was another case where they, uh, they told, um, you know, these, uh, there was these guys who t- like sent a letter or something that they were like, their wives were like being held against their will. And it turned out they weren't really their wives. They were just some guys who were like, you know, screwing around or something, but like the girls were actually happy to be here. But so th- this show, like we watch it and we're like, Oh, this is, this is like real, like the mud, you know, uh, Mark, Mark is really enamored by the mud. And I think the medical scenes are also oh, yeah. very like uh, stuff's coming out Horrific. of his, anus, his penis. I mean, this is this is brutal, brutal stuff. I mean, um, yeah. that you're looking at, uh, you know, what Tolliver says. Oh, I'm gonna you know feel paid every time I shit for the rest of my life. When he tells that, you know, that that preacher who who stabbed him, um, or he tells somebody else that. Um, uh, but still, like, we can't take like the full extent of the ugly. Like they all have their teeth, right? Um, mm. all the prostitutes have their teeth. They're not as short as, you know, I mean, I guess you couldn't find actors. But yeah. As short as that, it's probably gonna be hard to find. Um, you know, the, even their clothes, the mud gets on the dresses and stuff, but like, you know, yeah, like, they're, 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 like, they're clean when they're inside. Yeah. After they walk through the mud, they look, yeah. They're, they're yeah. otherwise clean. You don't see them, you know, you don't see them defecating. You see them peeing in public. You don't see them defecating. Yeah. You sort of wonder where they, uh, where they defecate. Um, yeah, other than, I mean, like, how did plumbing work back then? Like, do you guys like, how, how, was, was, was there just like an out, like an outdoor, like a you could yeah, John or something? 
Cha- chamber pot, chamber, chamber pot, pot, and then you fling, you fling, you empty the chamber pot into the street in the morning. It's just out into the thoroughfare. Yeah, like, out into the thoroughfare. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Damn. That was a, I mean, that was just yeah. fun. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. And the, hor- the horses would have been pooping. The horses. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Horse everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So the doctor, the doctor character actually is more interesting. I didn't realize this when I first was watching it, but then I kind of included. So the the doctor character is a little bit more interesting than he comes across because he just comes across as like this super like wound up wound, wound up guy. But like if if you track him and the things that he talks about and the things that he does through the course of the show like he's actually doing original medical he's doing original applied medical research on the fly right because like medicine in those days like they really did not know much right um and like he was literally in and he was a very the character is a very curious guy um and so he is literally trying to cobble together basically an actual medical science like on the fly um, mm. And if you remember that, though, the, it was the one with the, uh, the the most striking example of that was there was the episode where the guy got shot in the head and didn't die. Um, remember, I figured, remember how yeah. transfixed. I think it. that was loosely based on the the, the 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 real life shooting of the trick. So she shot this guy and then he survived. So yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. And the doctor is just like completely transfixed because he's like trying to figure out how the brain. You know, he's literally trying to figure out how the brain works. Yeah. Um, it, by the way, in much the same way that a medical that a medical researcher today would be transfixed by that that same opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I'm still like I'm still uh, uh, interested in in just how far advanced yeah medical science was at that point because the doc in the show is remarkably competent and people go to him and they trust him and he seems to actually sort of bring people out of uh, their their injuries and their maladies. Uh, but at least like whatever sort of secondhand knowledge and stuff that I've accrued just from you know, reading and stuff is just like back then like you 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 may have been better off never seeing a doctor because of how ugly and and uh, backwards the medicine was. So there's a school of thought, which mm. uh, there's a school of thought that says actually things really have not advanced that much since then. Um, hmm. Right. And so, um, I mean, there are certain things, I mean, the antibiotics are a big deal. Um, you know, there are yeah. certain things like Al, you know, I don't know, Al could have gotten a liver transplant or something, right. You know, um, like there's certain things <laughs> yeah. you could do today that you couldn't do then, but you know, people in those days, you know, if, if you survive childhood, you, you, I think, I think you lived as long as people do today. Right. I think you'd, you'd have people I've heard living that in too. Their, yeah, yeah. You have people, you know, all the, all the child, all the, all the, you know, people used to live in their forties, not live in their eighties stuff, I think is statistically just an artifact of child mortality. Um, if you made it to adulthood, you could, you, many people did live into their eighties. Basically human lifespan has not extended. Um, and then, you know, we still have a very broad cross section of things today that we still, you know, we're, you're, you know, it turns out fighting cancer is actually really hard and a lot of people still die of cancer. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, and then, you know, look, like there's, you know, the, the whole replication crisis is like ripping its way through medicine. Like there's, you know, a fair amount of evidence now that, you know, a lot of drugs that are on the market, like may not actually work because the, the science behind them was basically fake. Mm. Um, and so like, you know, you wouldn't want to trade, but like, I, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not clear to me actually, that we've actually advanced that much. Um, and actually he, he might actually have been not only a good doctor for the time, but you know, him plus maybe a bag full of a uh, couple of, you know, different kinds of meta, you know, medical textbooks. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a pretty good doctor today, actually. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's interesting. Richard, you kind of made a similar argument, right? That you thought that uh, the doctors yeah. back then probably weren't so bad. Yeah, I mean uh, the prosthetics thing—they they had experience with that from yeah, the Civil remember, War. Yeah. There was a lot of prosthetics, um, and then the the other thing was the um, you know in the season one they have the vaccine thing and then the quarantine yeah. thing, like a very basic like what we're still doing today: vaccines and you know quarantine. Um, yeah. So they you know they knew enough to well, back then we were quarantine sick people. Now we're quarantining healthy people, so it's a little different. Yeah. You know, we've advanced yeah. a lot since then. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> That's in our, under- <laughs> in our understanding. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so well, they, they, didn't wear, they didn't for some reason they weren't wearing masks for the next three years, which you know shows up. <laughs> yeah. Well, well that's today, because today, was, was, was COVID. Yeah. To be well, fair. they were so into the vaccine. I think today that would have been seen as like sort of a left wing coded thing. It wasn't even a right wing coded thing back. You know, it wasn't even a left wing coded thing back then. But today there would be like uh, big pharma sponsored by Satan and Pfizer. Oh uh, no, Richard! Yeah, when you put this up on YouTube, you're going to get that little COVID warning in the description now. Is it the the, the, the machine learning? Does it just go and see if it's mentioned COVID? I think it's automatic now. I think it's yeah. Uh, oh well, I have to, <laughs> we'll have to deal with it. Uh, yeah. So, so the medicine. I don't know how true that was. Like how stu- if people were stupid, uh, you know, as as we think they are. Like the leeching, the bleeding thing. That was the problem. You don't see him do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't use leeches. Um, he gives people opium. He helps with childbirth. You're right. He is a little. He's too competent. I think you're. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about that. Um, well, he's either. I mean, he's either too competent, or he's just like there are certain basics of actual medicine. Yeah, and, yeah. They were basic then, and they're basic now. And it actually, you know, the field maybe hasn't moved as much as we would like to believe. Hmm. Yeah. Although, like, I, I think, like, with with like pain management, right? Like, it was very. It, it had like honest depictions of of like the physical pain that people went through when they were sick and injured, right? Like the scenes with Al when he had his um, were they gallstones and uh, inserting yeah. the like the the like the metal um, needle into his urethra and like all of that stuff was just like horrifying to watch. And I think like today, like one reason you wouldn't want to go back, even if the what the procedures were roughly equally effective today, at least we understand how to like basically blunt the pain or or knock you out with anesthetics. I mean, in that sense, like you know, the the the, the blessings of modernity. Yeah, we have that. But like, look, op- he had they had opium then. We have opium now. Like, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, another you know interesting thing. Uh, 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 part of the real story that they made into fiction was Al wasn't an orphan or anything like that in real life. It looks like he just had like a normal family that was, uh, uh, you know, dad was in business or, you know, he did some branching or whatever. Um, and then, yeah. And so you, I think another like sort of this thing of modernity is like, oh, this guy's a pimp. He must have been like, you know, he must have been from a broken home. Mistreated. Yeah, he takes people away from their families because once he, you know, he didn't have his own family, right? So that well, was... I think they have to make Swearingen symp- like if you know if we you have to make a character like that, like antiheroes often have these sympathetic backstories, right? Like especially in the beginning, like Swearingen becomes progressively more sympathetic, and uh, you sort of wins you over. But like in the first episode, especially when he's just like bouncing Trixie off the walls, it's like it's really tough to like. Find this character likable at first. So. Oh, I mean, was it? Was it? I mean, it was a symbolic of like the things, uh, you know, people going soft. But you know, is yeah. it realistic that he like his values sort of transform where he's cuddling with a prostitute at the end and telling her, uh, you know, about his feelings and like sort of being reflective? Is that, is that, that mean, really? Well, it's, he's 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 getting up in age by then. I mean, how old is that? I mean, he's probably it's in his fifties or maybe T levels dropping and you <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we, you see those studies, right? Like, I, we, once you reach a certain age, your T levels decline, and you just, yeah, you just become a softer, more feminine man with age, unless you, you know, take some HGH and, you know. So, so we didn't see, so I want to, so Tolliver, we were talking about Tolliver, uh, end of season three. He said Hearst was going to let him run all the non mining interests in the town. So it looks like if there was going to be a season four, Tolliver was going to be a big deal. He, um, the re- the guy who played him died like a year before the movie came out. So yeah. that's why Tolliver was not in Deadwood. It's funny. Jody somehow ends up um, owning Bella Union. We don't, we're not told uh, exactly how. We just know that Tolliver is gone and she owns it. Uh, Mark, what did you think? We talked, me and Rob talked about Tolliver. What do, what do you think about the Tolliver character? 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, he, I, I well, it seemed a little duplicative uh, in the original series, to be totally honest. Like, it was a little bit of a slight, maybe, more, I don't know, more genteel uh, Swearingen. I, I, I just, I, I will say, I'm a sucker for that, that actor, Powers Booth. I think it's just one of the great all-time American actors, and it's just magnetic in anything he's in. It's just, like, tremendously fun to watch. Um, there's a great, if you guys haven't seen it, there's a great movie, 80s movie, called uh, Extreme Prejudice uh with him and i think nick nolte uh facing off and it's like a modern neo-western um hmm. and uh it's a uh fantastic uh i thought it was i thought he was like you know i thought he was definitely a darker sort of a darker yeah. and a more it's sort of he's like more elevated and darker at the same time he's like they have a higher it was kind level of- well, I mean, the kind of arc, right? The kind of what you guys talk about, like the arc a little bit, or maybe this, I don't know, this is what kind of struck me at the time was, you know, it's like Swearingen is introduced as like the darkest possible character. And then like the, a lot of the drama, you know, a lot of, a lot of how Milch operates is like, oh yeah, like you think he's dark, you know, you, you wait till you see what's coming. And then, hmm. you know, and then it's basically a progression from, from Swearingen to uh, Tolliver and then uh, ultimately to Hearst. You know, and, and so, and you know, and it, it's, you know, the, the, when, when the show was made, like it was like, the, you know, this was the first time that, that people like Melch had been allowed to put full antiheroes right on, on, on television like that, that had not previously been allowed. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was the same, it was the same time as Don Draper and, and, uh, and uh, Tony Soprano and so forth. Um, and so, you know, but it, it, it let him, you know, it, it, it let him evolve the swear engine character to, to take on more nuance and then ultimately kind of turn into a full fledged good guy. Um, but hmm. that, that said, I did, I did really enjoy the, I did really enjoy the descent. Like it, it, it dramatically, it was like tremendous fun uh, to see the additional layers of darkness and to see uh, Swerge and, you know, actually turning out to not be that bad in, in comparison. Yeah. That's yeah, so the Tolliver episode where he, uh, where he captures the two teenage uh, robbers and executes them. I mean, that, that might've been like one of the most chilling scenes of any show I've ever seen, just like how vicious he is and the, the pleasure he appears to take in torturing them before he kills them while Joni's watching is like, yeah, that's like, I mean, among all of the sort of like the HBO dramas, like that was one of the like hardest to watch. Well, she's, well, the she's, other one's the, the the serial killer guy, um, the uh, the guy oh, who yeah, was yeah, uh, yeah. killing, oh, killing, yeah. killing oh, yeah. the prostitutes like yeah. that. Will, that yeah. was that also was uh, that was, and you, you guys may know that one of the classic pieces of Deadwood trivia is that uh, the same actor played Jack McCall, uh, who was the degenerate lowlife who killed Wild Bill, um, and then that, and then Jack McCall died, and then that same actor came back to play Wolcott. What? Yeah, same guy. Yeah, yeah. You same gotta guy. be kidding me. Yeah, yeah, same That's guy. Wild. Brilliant, huh. brilliant actor. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant actor. Yeah, he's like wow. some like uh, down and out redneck, and then he becomes this, pro, you know, this uh, sort yeah. of crimson, like, like, yeah, genteel sociopath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same yeah. Genius performances. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that just blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Tolliver's taunting that girl. He gives her like a concussion, gives her brain damage. He's like, "Oh, you see a double, honey." He's like showing something yeah, in front of her before yeah, he kills yeah. them. Yeah, that was that was cool. I also liked what I like when Tolliver shot Leon. That was like the way he insults and like berates people is really funny. So that Janine girl, like there was going to be a uh, there was going to be something there. Like she, you know, he gonna shoot her and she just shows him her, her breasts and I guess like that turns him on or something. So he doesn't he doesn't kill her. Um, he shoots Leon, and it's just hilarious. Leon is like, you know, he's, and then like Leon is bleeding to death, and he's telling Leon, uh, uh, you know, he's like, he's like telling him, oh yeah, I'm gonna control the town, you know, on behalf of hers. And then Leon's like, congratulations, you know, Mister Tolliver, like as he's bleeding out, and then he's like, yeah, thank you, Leon, you know, like yeah. uh, you're gonna die saying stupid things, like you've always been stupid. I just love that. He, I just love. I just love that. Those was great, and I wanted, yeah, I wanted to see more of Tolliver. I never think we got. I never thought we got the full story of his relationship with 
Joni. I mean, I don't know if we got that. What was that scene where he comes in, end of one of the episodes, early episodes, and she's making out with those girls in the bathtub? Is it like, what, what, what was that? It was showing us Jody was a lesbian. That's the first time we saw that. But what was like, what was sort of the point that Talbert sort of like looks at her and then like walks out? I mean, was that, I, I kind of took that as like, they, they may have had like a budding romance at one point, but then he just, just accept that she was into women and that, you know, whatever, they would remain close, like platonic, you know, remain in a sort of a platonic close relationship, but, but, uh, you know, whatever yeah. romance there was, was, was sort of, uh, the, the spark died. Okay. That was, that yeah. was kind of my, my take. So yeah. Tal- the Johnny character, she, she had this, this scene early, early on too. She, was she talking to, to, to Jane at one point where she had a kind of a dark backstory too, where she was talking about how she was like having sex with her sisters when she was a kid. Yeah. And like, really? Oliver saved her. She's, I mean, I guess Tolliver was better than her dad or something. Okay. So yeah, that's that, okay. So that's sort of whatever, like softened the Tolliver character to some extent then. Yeah. That's funny. So he yeah. was just whipped over. Yeah. He was just whipped over Jody and that yeah. was his entire, you know, existence. It's funny that the men, the women who, yeah, these men, you know, become sort of enamored, enamored with, uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, the, yeah, the, the, so the the overweight woman who uh, Swearjet ended up with, she doesn't make it to the movie. You know, who knows? No, what, no. Who knows what happened oh, to her? Right, 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 right. Heart disease. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> she was a great, by the way. Yeah. She was a great actress. Her performance actually is really, really quite uh, is, is yeah. very entertaining. Yeah. Those, those, were com- those were very compelling scenes. Yeah, tell, yeah, yeah. She was great. Uh, she was a full for, participant in the uh, in the acting. In the, in yeah. The yeah. And, uh, uh, oh, by yeah, the way, another great acting, um, you guys, another, another, uh, Deadwood trivia thing is the, um, Jewel, um, is uh, the actress actually is a, um, I forget the, is it must, is it muscular dystrophy or whatever it is, but it's, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, she's a, re- she, she is a real, she is a real actress who has that, that medical condition. Ooh. Um, Interesting. and, and again, it's just like, one of the great things about the show is just like, it was like a full participant in the, was, you know, she was yeah. just tickled, apparently, tick, you know, tickled pink as an actress to be able to be in those scenes. Yeah. 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 Well, she aged, I think she aged more than like anyone else. I I mean, she looked like she gained like 25 years. She was like an old woman by the time, uh, the show, and maybe that's just how people with muscle <laughs> muscular dystrophy. Yeah, age. I wondered if that was if that was because of her condition or because the show just decided to make her look especially old, and so they you know did the makeup and the hair and everything to to look that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd she read moves. about that too that she really she had. Uh, she's she, yeah, she moves the same. She moves pretty much the same, although she looks. The old, uh, sorry, the old cerebral yeah. palsy. Um, cerebral palsy. Yeah, one of the first people on TV with a cere- cerebral palsy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the fir- one of the first scenes has shows Don, uh, Dan, and Johnny, and now they're dressed up. They don't wear like they're ripped up clothes. They're like it's showing like the civilization has like sort of moved forward. You see the new buildings, and you see these guys like they're wearing you know more normal, more uh, proper clothes. Uh, they look like they got old. And Johnny, I thought in the original show, uh, was like twenties. Like he looked really young to me. Uh, but then he's got gray hair. Um, ten years later. So I don't know if I miss S. Uh, yeah. Some guys uh, go know. gray like pretty fast, right? Okay. Like that does happen. But mm. yeah, yeah. I think you know there there is something. I think they made a lot of these characters maybe um, accelerated the aging just to maybe show how much time has passed. But then the women still look like you know they they age much better. I thought than the men did. Like Alma doesn't look that different. Trixie doesn't look that different either. But everyone else, Swearingen, I think like he looked like he looked about like ten years had passed. But everyone else just looks so much older than I would have thought. 
Bullock um, and Bullock's personality. Bullock looked older, and his uh, personality had—I felt his like personality had changed. He'd become more of a—he'd uh, uh, become more cocky and sort of more as like a you know as a sort of stereo. Like before, he was like a sort of a guy who was just about duty and honor. Maybe the old West did this too. He became more of like a uh, you know a cocky lawman. Like when he when they take the Chinese boy, and then he like does the superhero thing where he just shoots the guy. Um, you know, that this guy, we didn't get a lot of that in the series, like, you know, superhuman feats of like, you know, accomplishment, like Walter White kind of things. Um, and, but that was like one exception to it, which I liked it. It was like very, uh, it was sort of a very, uh, you know, it was used judiciously. Like you didn't see this, like jump the shark stuff all the time, but you did see it in that like one case, but I don't feel like the Bullock of the first season would have had like the confidence or just like the hubris, uh, to try something like that. Yeah. He's, he's just, yeah. He is more confident in his role and. Yeah, I mean, he did. He did sort of move from from sheriff to marshal, and I think he like fully embraced, yeah, being a lawman in, in a way he didn't in season one, where he didn't want to be like what what he didn't take the sheriff role, wasn't he? Like he took some subsidiary, yeah, some some secondary role in 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 the town's leadership. Was it fire? It wasn't he fire? Was yeah, it was it fire? fire? Yeah, maybe it might have been fire, um, something like that. But, fire but yeah, was he, a big deal. Yeah, that would burn down a bunch of uh, a bunch really. of times. They, they didn't okay. show. Yeah, they didn't show that. Hmm. Oh yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would have been an interesting uh, episode if they they uh, they they had like a wildfire or something. Pro- yeah. Maybe but- that was in the offing, right? Like I, from what I read, like Milch was planning to do season four and possibly season five, and it was cut short because of budget issues and all these other things. But it seemed like yeah, there were a lot of un- like yeah, the Tolliver character. I think they could have done so much more with him in season four. It, yeah. But I thought they were going to set him up as a rival at some point to, to Swearingen, um, and they were going to buy for control or something, but. Yeah, never. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that character kind of fizzled out. The whole like, yeah, there were some some threads that they could have explored more. Yeah. Well, I love one of the way they handle romance. I like the fact that um, you know, I thought at the beginning they're gonna make Alma and um, Seth eventually be together. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought so that too. like Martha was gonna run away or something, and, or like realize that she couldn't stand the way of love. But like, that's not realistic. Like you know, like the realistic thing is like people get used to each other, and like you know, like they don't get divorced willy nilly and like run off with their lovers. Um, yeah. at that time so especially not you know the seth and the alma and even like at the end where you know the the movie where it comes back to handle it very well where sort of alma is still sort of infatuated with them um but she hasn't you know married uh, doesn't appear she's ever married um mm-hmm. but seth has and has moved on with the kids and uh yeah she's trying to sort of hint at like rekindling it or, or something and he's just sort of not having it and I thought yeah. that was like, yeah, that was a, that was a very you know unique and interesting and realistic way that they dealt with that. Yeah, it's hard to know with with shows how they're going to because you could go for like the most dramatic and interesting and you know what uh, sort of scintillating storyline, which would be that you know uh, we we somehow discover that actually all along Seth has still been you know, Bullock, he's still been he's still been cheating on his wife or still been sleeping with Alma. Uh, but yeah, they, I think it, yeah, it's it is a more realistic choice, and so Deadwood overall, I think, was a was a more realistic show um, than a lot of others would have been. Yeah, I like yeah. all that stuff, and uh, yeah, uh, and another thing. Um, oh, by the way, the the uh, Swearingen's uh, the real Swearingen's death. Um, have you guys read anything about how Swearingen died? No, I didn't. It's fascinating. So he went off to Denver, um, and then I think in nineteen oh four he's found um he's found dead between uh railroad tracks um and he's got a seems like blunt force object at the back of the head uh and it was um uh like it could have been like somebody could have killed him or they say he could have like 
tried to hitch a ride on a train and like fallen off and, and hit his head or something. But it was basically, it's like a sort of a mysterious sort of gritty death at the end, uh, okay. which is appropriate. That's he had, yeah. he had a twin brother too. Um, and That's someone tried to shoot his uh, brother. Uh, right that it was him? Two months earlier before he okay. died. And so, so the, theory, the, the, the theory is that maybe they were, somebody was looking for him um, and they tried, went to shoot his brother um, and, you know, they didn't, but then they eventually found him or maybe it's just all a coincidence. And I, I don't know. I don't think there's any, anyone believes that there's any reason that his brother uh, would have gone after him. Uh, but yeah, it was a very sort of uh, mysterious death. Yeah. He lived another like 15, like you know, say he died at the end of the show. I mean, he lived another, you know, 14 years. Uh, okay. after the show was over so he wasn't close to death and he didn't die natural causes i mean he, he either was fell or he either fell off a trade or was bludgeoned to death yeah so so yeah they, well, they had to make him so sickly then in the movie that's yeah, yeah he, wasn't, I, he wasn't sickly by the way some newspaper uh uh got uh some newspaper he talked to some newspaper he claimed he had gone to canada for uh there was a uh gold rush in canada he claimed to have gone there we don't know if he actually went there but he came back and like the newspaper reported like around 1891 like when this movie was made that he was looking fine he was saying he felt healthy and that he was actually looking very good so hmm. the it was a conscious effort to sort of you know uh make him this sort of you know uh withering away alcoholic um it wasn't uh it wasn't maybe natural. that was uh maybe that was david melch sort of writing a part of himself into that character because like his his health was fading right like he has alzheimer's or something i read i read a review or, uh, yeah. or something about him and this was yeah a profile piece and he was his health was fading he's making and a movie. book i haven't read it yet but um he uh just wrote a he wrote a book he just wrote his memoirs um mm. and so I, I have it queued up in my my uh, audible but um i'm sure i'm <laughs> i'm sure it's great so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I'll, recommend. yeah I'll flip to the deadwood section and see 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 what he uh see what he says uh, okay, this was this was fun. Anything else uh, either you guys want to say before we say goodbye to the Deadwood series? Uh, nope. Nope. Fantastic. Okay. All right. it, it was fun. All right, guys. Yeah, Until I enjoyed time. it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thanks, guys.